So I told you a little bit about um, how I came to be in Ilford Hume at the beginning of the service. But I haven't really told you a little anything about me or how I've come to be here this morning. So, um, Ilford Hume is my first post since leaving college. I studied uh, for ministry formation at Bristol Baptist College, which is where I met Laurie and Karen. Laurie was my ministerial advisor which means that when new ministers are being uh, trained, we are given... I was going to say old minister, but I won't go. (laughs) We are given mature ministers who are full of wisdom with lots and lots of years under their belt to guide us and and help shape us. So Laurie began... uh, I began my relationship with Laurie um, as... He was my mentor, but I think we've become friends um, because he really should have... He finished his sort of official duties towards me quite a few years ago, but then decided to keep me because he probably realised I was travel and needed more work. (laughs) i let you decide that. Um, So I've come to know Laurie and Karen over the last five years, and they are an amazing couple. As you know, I'm already telling you stuff you already know. And so I was with Laurie last year where he, when he asked me if I would come and share today, because today I think is Mission Sunday, and you kind of look, think about mission. And at that time, I'd only really just began the conversation with Ilfra Coombe. I didn't, I knew in my spirit that God was calling me there, but it hadn't been confirmed. The process was still ongoing. So Laurie said something like, well, we'll book, we'll book you in anyway, and God willing, we'll have a proper missioner to talk, uh, talk to us on Mission Sunday. Um, I love the word missioner. Only I think of pirates whenever I hear it, because it sounds like a very piratey word somehow. It's the Southwest accent, forgive my Welshness. Um, yeah, so I love the fact that I have been called to be a missioner. That is somebody who is non-traditionally shaped minister really, non-traditional shape ministry and I'm massively excited to work out what that means for me and the church. I'm pretty new then to ministry and I'm pretty new actually to the Baptist family. I came from Elim but don't hold that against me Um, and I got called to the Baptist College to train in quite a dramatic way. Even though I didn't want to be a Baptist minister, God felt that that was good for me, so he kind of threw me along. And so in many ways, I guess, I've been fast-tracked to think about what it means to be Baptist. And the thing that um, I, I wrestled with quite a lot was the Declaration of Principle. Now, I know that you guys know the Declaration of Principle off by heart because it's on your website. Don't worry, I'm not going to test you. It's fine. And, um, and there were some, certain bits of that which took me some time to pray through and work through and decide in the end, yeah, it was probably right. I could sign up to that. But the thing that I didn't need to wrestle with, the thing that was part of the, the third part of the Declaration of Principle, which says that it is the duty of every disciple to bear personal witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to take part in the evangelization of the world. The first time I heard that, I was like, yes, yes, that is it, right there. That is what we're about. That is what we should be doing. And I think that's probably why I'm a Baptist minister. The rest kind of fell into place. 
So the church is engaged in mission because that is what she is called to do. Because that's what Jesus said to do. So when Jesus was leaving to go back into heaven, he said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we are engaged in mission, not because we think it's a good idea or because it's something as a church we need to put on the agenda for our church meetings. We do it because it's rooted in our DNA of who we are because Jesus told us that's what we are doing. Mission isn't an activity. I believe mission is not so much what we do, but it's who we are. So Andrew Kurt in his book wrote this. I read this a few years ago, and it was one of those quotes that grabbed me so much, I wrote it down, and I've come back to it time and time again. He says this, Mission is so much at the heart of the church's life that rather than to think of it as one aspect of its existence, it is better to think of it as its defining existence. The church by nature is missionary to the extent that if it ceases to be missionary, it has not just failed in one of its tasks, it has ceased to be in church. If and when the church exists for its own sake, it denies itself. It has become something other than the community called into being by Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. So the church, primar the primary function of the church is the mission of the world. It's the reason that we exist. Not to fill our churches or to put more money in our offering bags, but we beca because we believe that Jesus Christ is the hope for the world. And we live in a world that could do with some hope. So mission motivates us because we are motivated by Jesus. But sometimes when someone like me stands at the front and talks about mission as a broad concept, we can think, well, yeah, that's great. I agree with that. But actually, the whole world is pretty big. Some of us here might be called to far-off places, but most of us won't be. And some of us believe that, you know, we can put together a nice church activity that, that will be missional with intent, and that's great. But lots of us won't want to be involved in that. So what does that mean to us? When we think of being missional in the whole world, what does that mean practically for you and I this morning? And I wonder if it's not so much of the whole world that God wants us to focus on, but actually our world. So if it's okay with you, I thought I'd go through the scripture that was read this morning and just draw out a few bits and pieces which will hopefully be helpful to shaping our thinking in how we can be missional where God has put us. So verse 1, Jesus called him the twelve, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So Jesus called the twelve to himself. The first thing is relationship. Mission is an extension of discipleship. We want to share the good news with, of Jesus with others because we have first experienced this good news ourselves. Now I'm speaking to a bunch of people that I don't know. And I mustn't make the assumption that we all know Jesus. So if you're sat here thinking, 
not really sure. I haven't really worked that out. Who's this Jesus that they keep banging on about? Then I would love to introduce you to him and we can chat more about that later. Our relationship with Jesus is of the most important. It is the first and most important thing. To be, in order to be sent out, we first need to spend time with him. So the 12 were disciples. They, they followed Jesus as a rabbi. They spent time with him. They lived with him. They ate with him. They shared jokes with him. They were with him when he was hungry and tired and thirsty and all of the other stuff that everyday life means. They were connected with him. They were invested in their relationship with him. They weren't floating around on the periphery, dipping their toes in. They were committed to following Jesus. They were at the center or at the core of the crowd. And so before Jesus sent them out, he called them to him. There is something about this gathering on a Sunday which is supposed to build us up, fill us up and send us out. That's why we do it. That's why we gather, whether it's a Sunday or a different day of the week, it doesn't necessarily matter. But the, the important thing is that we come together as followers of Jesus around his word, whether that has communion or, or other things involved in the service, but we meet together in the name of Jesus in order to be filled again with the Spirit to be sent out. <coughs> and as I was praying and thinking about what I would share with you, a verse from Ephesians kept coming to my mind, and I'm just going to read this verse to you. Uh, Paul prayed it, and I would like to pray it for you too. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know that his love surpasses all knowledge, that you may be, full, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. So if we are rooted in him, it makes living out the mission that he's called us too much easier. Because the fact is, if we pretend people can spot phony, we do live in a world that needs a lot of hope. We also lead, live in a world that needs a lot of um, authenticity. We live in a world of a lot of fake stuff. And for us, living our authentic Christian lives is the first step of mission. Jesus also gave his disciples authority. Whatever God calls us to, he will equip us for. Even if we don't see that at the beginning, it's a promise. If he calls you to do something for him and with him, he will equip you for it. And that authority, that equipping comes from Jesus, not from anyone else. It doesn't come from our own sense of um, self. It doesn't come from the fact that we've got a good education or maybe have money in the bank or can be self-sufficient in many ways. The authority and the equipping comes from the Holy Spirit, which comes from Jesus. Verse 5 and 6, he says, uh, it, it says, Go nowhere among the Gentiles or enter in the town of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, this is interesting because later on we know that that mission mandate changes. It's going to the whole world. But for now... It's go to a small group of people. There's something really important about not running ahead of God. There's something really important when we think about what it is God is asking us to do, to spend time in prayer, listening to what God is saying about the situation. 
knowing our boundaries and staying within them. For the disciples, this meant going to the places that Jesus was about to go and doing the things and saying the things that Jesus was about to do and say. For the disciples, mission meant doing things the way Jesus does them. When we choose to do things the way Jesus doesn't do things, it's not mission. When we do things because we think that is attractive and people will like it, that's not mission. When we, do, when we are saying the same things that Jesus said, preaching the same gospel that Jesus preached, and doing the same stuff that Jesus did in the kingdom, that's mission. And so listening is really, really important. But it's hard because we like doing stuff. Doing stuff is good because people can see what we've done and, and, and we can measure doing stuff, but we can't measure just listening. So at IBC, the first year of my job is to listen. I'm a missional listener as well as a missioner. Also sounds like piratey. Which basically means that I need to find places where people hang out and hang out with them. And so, I said earlier, I spend a lot of time hanging out in coffee shops. That's just one of the bonuses of my job. I love coffee. Although I am beginning to have to think seriously about decaf. I have hung out with people in a place where uh, meals are provided for very vulnerable people. I've hung out in schools with permission, not in a dodgy way. I have hung out where people are hanging out. And my only purpose in that is to listen to listen to them, and to listen to God. And I'm asking God, well, what is it in this situation that you want me to see? What is it in this situation that you want me to hear? What is it in this situation that you may want me to do? But that takes time. I can't just go to one coffee shop one week and say, well, I've done that. I've done the listening. I need to keep going back, keep hanging out, find out who comes regularly to these places. Watch people out of the window. That's where I got the picture that I showed you of the hotel, actually, because it occurred to me that that was a perfect snapshot of how I see Elfgum at the moment. And I got it from sitting still and looking out the window. But as I said, you can't measure that. So that's quite countercultural to just be. But there is value in being. I began to think of it as some sort of ministry of presence. Sounds rather grand, doesn't it? But basically all it means is showing up and spending time with people, connecting with people, finding out what, it are, what are folks' fears, hopes, dreams. What, well, you know, what are, they, are they worried about their kids? Are they worried about their job? Do they have a job? There are some folks that hang out with uh, addicts and what, what does life look like for them? Not assuming I know, but taking the time to listen. And for me, because I'm a builder, it's really hard. So do, if you are praying, pray for wisdom and patience for me. Because the, the stillness and, and the listening is, for me, quite a difficult task when I'd rather be doing and active. But I also want to say, oh, this, is, this is a little bit funny, and I'm avoiding eye contact with Laurie when I say this. I've made the decision 
to wear a clerical collar. So when I'm in my missional role, I have a clerical collar on, a dog collar, you might say. And um, at the moment, it's helpful. It's not a tattoo, so I can take it off if I, if I don't want to wear it. But when I am being in the places that God is asking me to be, I can be identified. And there is still something about our culture which identifies dog collar with church. Um, and so far, it's been helpful. I've had some really interesting conversations with people simply because they've realized that I'm the vicar, which is weird. Um, so moving on, to verse 7, proclaim, as you go, proclaim, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So having worked out the boundaries of what God is asking us to do, the next thing we need to think about is actually doing what he's told us to do. Now for the disciples, it was first of all, proclaim the kingdom. Preach the gospel. Use our words. The danger with hanging out and, and making friends with people is we forget to use our words. We spend so much time getting to know folks that we might forget the the purpose of getting to know folks. Sometimes we come up with really good ideas of missional activities, about creating space where people can gather and from that relationship, from the relationships that are, are made from the gathering, we can preach the gospel. Not like I'm standing here, but you know, you can, you can talk to them about Jesus, you know what I mean. So many churches forget about speaking the truth to people. I'll give one example of a toddler group. Do you have a toddler group here? You do? You do? I have no idea about your toddler group. This is not about you, okay? But so many churches will have, for example, toddler groups that will create space that are in churches run by Christians and Ignore the fact that God is in it. And it's not because <coughs> Christians don't want to share about God. They absolutely do. Partly it's because we can be so tied up in doing and providing for people that we forget to spend time sitting and being. Partly it is because we're afraid of offending people and scaring people away. I honestly believe that people come to churches are open to hearing something of what the folks who meet in the church believe. There are great opportunities not to ram it down people's throats, that's not what I'm saying. Not even necessarily to have a God slot or Bible story in the group. But there are great opportunities for building relationships, getting to know folks, and saying words like, can I pray for you when you find out that people are struggling? That's mission. They were also told to uh, do practical stuff like raise the sick and heal the sick and raise the dead. Which sounds like I'm going to completely contradict myself now because the kingdom of God is about words, but it is also about action. Now, I believe 100% with my whole heart that God is in the business of doing the miraculous today. I believe it because I've experienced it and because nobody can tell me otherwise. But also we could look at those words as to say we need to be active in our faith. 
We need to be actively looking for opportunities to share. And there's, there's truth in that. So back to my whole mission or listening thing. I can only listen for so long. At some point, I'm going to have to prayerfully take a leap of faith and do something. And at the right time, I have every confidence that I will know the right thing to do. Sometimes we can fall into the trap of either being all about words and not about action, or we can be all about action and forget the words. But right here, Jesus says it's both. It's not either or, it's both and. The kingdom of God needs to be proclaimed through our words and demonstrated through our actions. Whether that's buying a cup of coffee for someone, running a group, doing, <coughs> I don't know, making a cake, visiting the sick, whatever that looks like. There is an active side to our faith. Verse 9 and 10, acquire no... Oh, sorry, I want to say something <coughs> else about that. The words, freely you have received, freely give. I love those words. Back to being rooted in the relationship with Jesus. Why do we do this? Because Jesus has freely blessed us and we believe that God wants to bless other people. Give it away. Whatever blessing God has given you, give it to someone else. And that could be something simple like speaking a word of blessing over someone or praying for them. Could be ministering to some practical needs. Whatever it is God is asking you to do, do it. Just give it away because you can't run out of God. The more you give out of God's grace, the more abundantly he blesses you. Verse eight, verse 9 and 10, take nothing for your journey. Sometimes we overthink missional stuff. Sometimes we think we can't start something because we don't know who will staff it and how it will be paid for and blah, 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 blah. Don't overthink it. If God is asking us to do something, let's do it and let's trust him to provide as and when provision is needed. We don't have to know everything that the future holds because we know God is in the future. We can find people to partner with because verse 11 tells us when you enter a village, find a worthy person and stay there till you depart. A worthy person, not necessarily a rich person or um, a helpful person in a secular sense, but someone who is open to working with you. I think I've identified two worthy people in that sense. Sometimes we call them people of peace. They have no faith themselves, but they are open to the gospel being shared. I need to be upfront by, about my motivation. That's part of the reason that I, I wear the collar. So when I hang out with vulnerable people, <coughs> if the conversation ever gets around to talking about Jesus, it won't come as a shock to them. I'm being upfront. This is kind of the thing about, um, about being bold. And when God asks us to do something, to do it and be upfront about it. And God will provide people to work with us. They may not necessarily know him, but they will be happy to work for, with us. Bless people. It talks about when you enter a house, give it your blessing. And then it talks about, verse 14, if anyone will not receive you, shake the dust from your feet when you leave. 
I think another, I think actually, no, let's be honest, one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reasons, that we are hesitant to share our faith with other people is fear of rejection. And sometimes we do get caught in a trap of building relationships with people, but then not wanting to share because we don't want to reject, we don't want that feeling of rejection. The most liberating thing that I ever grasped was that people will reject me. It was really liberating. It wasn't nice the first time it happened. The first time someone said, oh, you can shove that somewhere. I won't tell you exactly what they said. It wasn't nice, and I, thought, and I did take it personally, but actually I realized it's not me, it's, it's God. The reason that we are motivated to share about Jesus, to share that Jesus is the hope for the world, is because we believe he is. And also, as verse 15 goes on to talk about judgment, because we believe that judgment is coming. We can't get around that. There's too many awkward scriptures that talk about the judgment which waits for everyone. The fact is, we can do the, the analogy of toilet group again. We can do toilet groups and they're great. And we can share faith and that's great. And some people, all they'll ever want is a cup of tea. And that's great. If people only ever want a nice cup of tea and we bless them with that, then that's absolutely fine. But some people will want to be open to learning more about what gives us hope. And it's about looking for those opportunities to share little bits of our lives. Because really that is all preaching the gospel is about. Sometimes we're afraid of not having enough information. Maybe we don't know enough about the Bible. You don't need to, not really. You just need to tell people what God has done in your life. But that's all I wanted to say, really. And if the clever people among you, which is all of you, will have worked out that basically I've just um, beefed up the little all-age object lesson that I give earlier on. What is mission? It is simply being rooted in Jesus and living our lives Christ-centered, full of the Spirit, out in the open, and inviting people to join us. It's recognizing that not everybody who we give that invitation to will want to join us, but let's give them the opportunity anyway to walk in the light. And it's not being afraid of the rejection that might come, because actually, if we love them, if we truly say we love people, then we need to love them enough to tell them the truth and let them decide themselves. Speak the truth in love, be the rest of God.